Welcome to Thrive Church Online. We are here to know God, to grow in Him, and go. We hope you feel encouraged and equipped through this week's message. So, there we were, the middle of the 11 o'clock service, and I'm looking for my intro. So here's my intro. So have you ever had somebody who... um, Somebody told you something about somebody else and then wanted you to base your, your opinion of them on what they thought about them. Um, I was a, a youth pastor for, golly, forever. And, um, and one of the, uh, I went into this church, and one of the guys, I still love and respect him. I don't think he meant any malice by it, but there's a personality difference. And he called me to his office, took me to a good lunch. That's always a setup if you're a pastor. If you buy my lunch and invite me to your office, you're setting me up for something bad. Um, now, if you just take me to lunch, it's all good. If you take me back to your office, it's because you want to talk to me about something you don't want the rest of the world here. So he told me about this lady, and he's like, man, this, this lady, uh, she's too old to be in student ministry, um, and she's, she's kind of mean, um, and, and she's just not who you want in student ministry. And I was like, and, and, and I agree that like, there's a reason we ask parents not to hang around student ministry, because it makes student ministry weird, right? Like, like we always have those parents that like want to hang around and be a part of it. We're like, hey, we want you there, but your kids don't. It's kind of like this. You ever watch people do cool things and then parents start doing it and all of a sudden it's not cool? Like, you want another truth? 40-year-olds, we ruined Facebook. That's the reason TikTok came about. Because when your parent, when your grandparents got on the Facebook... So, so you gave that up and went to IG, right? And then the parents got on the Instagram, the gram, gram, gram on the gram. We gave it up. Now there's TikTok. And I'm going to be honest with you. I got off the TikTok. I don't even get it. I, I get it, but I don't. Anyway, I'm just, I'm getting there. I'm getting to the age bracket. But, but I looked at him and said, hey man, I need, to, I, need to, I need to formulate my own opinion on who this lady is based on my opinion, not based on what you tell me, right? Because, and I wonder sometimes, we're going to talk about something really awkward for the church. Um, matter of fact, Wendy came up with the title. Uh, TJ wrote most of the message. Um, Wendy titled it. Wendy's our hospitality leader. And we're, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit because here's what I think. I think that a lot of people think things about the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit ain't got nothing to do with. Now, before I'm going to shoot some elephants in the room, we're not bringing snakes out. We're not doing weird stuff. Um, This is going to be a one-on-one conversation about who the Holy Spirit is. Most of the people are afraid of the Holy Spirit because they don't know anything about the Holy Spirit other than what they've heard through and about other people. So if you were brought up, like, and I'm just going to name some organizations. Uh, If you were brought up Baptist, do you think about the Holy Spirit a certain way? If you were brought up Charismatic Assemblies of God, Church of God, um, Pentecostal Holiness, Pentecostal, Full Gospel, Charismatic, you think something else. If you were brought up Methodist, um, you think something else. If you were brought up uh, the like, like you know, a boogerhead, um, you don't think anything about the Holy Spirit because nobody's ever introduced you. And can I be honest with you? All of those opinions are right. Not really. All of those opinions have elements of truth in them, and all of those opinions have elements of falseness about them. People ask me all the time, are you Baptist? I'm not Baptist. There's th- some things in the Baptist church I disagree with. And they say, were you full gospel? I'm like, yeah, kind of. Eh, kind of, ish. So I'm like Baptist on a Red Bull or a charismatic with a seatbelt. Is that fair? Like, I, here's what can I, here's what I want to... I want to do. I want to throw away all the titles because we invented those in the last couple hundred years. What I want to do is dive into the Bible and whatever the Bible says about God, the Holy Spirit, healing, uh, uh, sin, uh, forgiveness, grace, mercy. That's what I want to talk about. And I'm not sure that you can wrap it up and put it in a box. Um, I want to be a follower of Christ, meaning this, that I'm always in a process of being developed into more and more about what the Word of God looks like. And I give myself permission to be wrong. So we're going to lean into who the Holy Spirit is. Now, what I need you to do is not get flipped out and, and like pre-check out of the service. We watched it first service. But the end of service, people will check back in. Because it wasn't this weird thing that they thought it was going to be. So what we're going to do is we're just going to, we're going to answer three questions. Who's, who is the Holy Spirit? Where did He come from? Um, what does the Holy Spirit do? 
And how, why does it matter to me? Three questions. Like, like, but, but one of the things we started with was if I'm going to answer who the Holy Spirit is, I got to answer, you know, who am I? Like, like what's, what, what's, what's the 101 stuff that I have to do? So I'm going I'm to ask TJ. If you don't know TJ, TJ, he's usually in a corner just smoking the guitar. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, if you said thank you, thank you very much. I was just going to fall off the stage. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. There you go. That's awesome. <laughs> so good. So like Adam said, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit today. And first thing we need to do to understand who the Holy Spirit is, we need to understand who the Bible says we are. So let's take a look at Genesis 1, 26 through 27. Then God said, let us make man in our own image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So these two verses really tell us a lot. First of all, at the beginning, it tells us that we're made in God's image. What does that mean? An image is something... It looks like something, but it, it's lacking. It's definitely not the same as the original. So, uh, for instance, I could take a picture of my hands, and I go to a printer and print it off, and I could carry that picture of my hands everywhere with me if I wanted to, but they can't hand me a wrench. They can't wash a dish. They can't drive a nail. They can't play a guitar. They're lacking. And so when we look at, ourselves as an image that God created, obviously we're more than just a 2D print on a paper. But in the context of who God is, we're still very, very lacking. We are like a, an empty vessel that God made. Well, and I think, I think that's part of the, the key part of this is we're made like God, but we're not God. So if, if I'm like God, but not like God, what do I really need? There, there are these empty spaces in our life that we need the Holy Spirit to fill up so that um, regardless of what you think about the Holy Spirit, Jesus thought a lot of the Holy Spirit. He said, it's important that I leave and go to heaven and send the Holy Spirit. Well, if he, why? If I'm, a, if I'm one of the 12 listening here and say that, I'm like, you've stepped outside your mind. Why don't you just hang out with here with me? Because I'm going to miss you when you're gone. But God said this, he said, it's important because I can be, because he was fully God and fully man, right? Which means he took on being finite, even though he was infinite as God, he was finite as man. He looks and he said, but I have to go send a Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit can be in everybody's life at one time. So, so there's this vessel that God wants to fill up. Now, God's not weird. So why do we make, when, Wendy titled this message, um, hold on, I lost it. What was it? Um, the scary third. The third person in the Trinity is not scary. He's there to fill this empty space up. And so when TJ teaches and he's like, look, man, there's these empty places because you're a vessel that you need God to fill up. Let's talk about what that looks like. So let's look at what God said immediately after he said he was going to make us in his image. He's not even made us yet. But he's already decided to give us dominion over the fish and the birds Good. and the livestock and over all the earth. It sounds like God really wanted to spoil us. But that's probably not the right word. So let's move on and look at verse 28. And God blessed them. God gives us everything. We're an empty vessel made to receive his gifts. We can see this in the garden. We can see this with Jesus, our Savior, and we also see this with the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is absolutely a blessing from God, and we need to remember to be thankful and give God all the glory because He delights in the praise of His people. Yeah, so we sit there and go, man, if I'm an empty vessel and, and God wants to fill it with the Holy Spirit, my next logical question is, well, where did the Holy Spirit come from? Like Jesus said he sent him, but where did he send him from? How, like, how did all this get kicked off, right? Like, like, I can't, it's hard for me to embrace something that I don't understand. 
And I think that's really the I think that's what's so scary about the Holy Spirit. So let's just let's just lean in and begin that conversation. Like, where did the Holy Spirit like even come from? Or did I skip other stuff? Did I go back? Eh, pick up wherever I'm supposed to be. <laughs> so, um, so <laughs> I missed you all up, brother. <laughs> God gives us everything. We're made in His image. We're blessed. We're an empty vessel made to receive his gifts. And we got to remember that every good thing that comes our way is a gift from God. And, and we should be thankful for all of those things. And um, so now, if it's okay with Pastor Adam, I'm going to talk about uh, the writings of Luke. Yeah. Okay. That's where I thought we were. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so Luke wrote uh, the Gospel of Luke. And he wrote the book of Acts. Right. Gospel of Luke. Luke's telling about the life of Jesus all the way up to just after the resurrection. And then the book of Acts picks up after that. And these books were written to Luke's friend Theophilus. And he's telling that these are letters written to Theophilus, and he's telling this guy about Jesus. And so let's start off with Acts 1 through 5. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day which he, he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with him, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So Luke is telling Theophilus about Jesus, how he appeared to the apostles and talked to them about the kingdom of God 40 days after his resurrection. And he tells them not to go anywhere because they're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit soon. All right, so let's look at Acts 2, 1 through 8. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven, and at the sound the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language, and they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Then it goes on to tell the names of the people that were there and the languages that they spoke. This was the Holy Spirit demonstrating his power by using these men from Galilee that all spoke the same language to witness to all of these Jews from different countries in all of their different languages. Sorry, we're going to look at the next question is going to be, what does the Holy Spirit do? But I, th I think it's important that we pause here because if you're at one faith tradition, um, we take a ton of time when we lean into Acts 2, right? If you're from another uh, faith tradition, we skip it. <laughs> the reality of it is, is this, is because the problem is, is that most people will not argue what the Holy Spirit is sent here to do. And we're going to talk about that in a minute, right? But we, we really don't even argue with the fruit of the Holy Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control against such things, there are no law. What we do get freaked out a little bit about is the nine manifestation gifts of the Holy Spirit, right? Um, tongues, interpretation, tongues, prophecy, uh, blah, 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 right? Words of knowledge. I can go, th go through them if you give me a minute, but not really that big a deal. So can we just, for the sake of this conversation, go, can we put away the manifestations of the Holy Spirit for a minute and just deal with the Holy Spirit? Because that's like talking about your marriage on your first date. It's a bad idea. Could it lead there? We can talk about that later. But can we just deal with the fact that some of us just need to be comfortable with the term Holy Spirit? Some of us need to get comfortable with the fact of 
does the Holy Spirit even want to move on my life? And how do I get the Holy Spirit? Like the, all these questions are there that need to be answered long before you get to that. My grandpa used to have this saying, he'd say, son, you can't get here from there. When I'd start talking about some nonsense, he'd just look at my granddad was no nonsense. And he'd go, boy, you can't get there from here. Can I just say that maybe we need to slow down and say that when we really look at the Holy Spirit, we need to look at the Holy Spirit through objective eyes, not through the lens of what we've always been taught. And I love, um, I did, did, did this this week as part of my own devotion. I'm going to try to read it. I found out this week I needed glasses. I've got them, but I'm, I'm rebelling. I'm going to try to do it without it. This is from the Message Bible, and this is kind of after the part that, that TJ taught on. But it says this, that, that these guys came up in, in Acts chapter 2 and said, so what do we do now? And Peter said to him, turn your, uh, change your life, turn to God and be baptized. Each of you in the name of Jesus. Your sins, um, for, for your sins are forgiven. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises are targeted to you and your children, but also those who are far away, whomever in fact our Master God invites. And then I love this next line. It says, get out while you can out of this sick culture. And then he goes on, he says this, what took about... It took about 3,000 people that were baptized and they, they signed up and committed themselves to the teaching of the apostle and life together in prayer. And then it, it goes on and talks about how they went around and they, they served in the temple and they, they, they had all these things in common and they sold off their goods so that the needs of their brothers could be met. Here's what I believe. Paul in his writing says this, if you have the Holy Spirit and you can pray in tongues and, 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 and have prophecy and all these things, but you don't have love, you really don't have anything. He said you're banging gong or clanging cymbal. Here's what I believe. I believe that when the Spirit of God really gets in your life, there's this change that occurs that causes you not only to love God, but love people through the lens of God moving in your life that only happens when you invite the presence of the living God into your life. And that if we don't get anything else right, we better get the fact that when the Holy Spirit does enter our life, it causes us to love beyond measure. Does this make sense? Um, so we're going to look. We're going to look at this because if I go, man, there is a Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit was sent here to fill my empty vessel, and He came at Pentecost. Um, I don't think the Holy Spirit has left. People want to say the Holy Spirit left, and because it says that in 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 those times that knowledge will cease, and all that. Well. Have you looked around? Knowledge is not ceasing. Knowledge, honestly, is part of our problem. Anybody ever heard the term blissfully ignorance? We've lost it. Even our children have lost the ability to be ignorant about things that they don't have any business knowing. This is why the Holy Spirit is important. Not only do you need the Holy Spirit, your kids need the Holy Spirit because they need to be able to depart, not by death, praise God, but they need to be able to vacate this wicked and perverse world. How do you do that by being in the presence of a living God? Sorry, go ahead. All right, so next verse we're going to look at is Acts 1.8. And this verse tells us one of the things that the Holy Spirit does, but this, this verse has two parts to it. And this is like, a, this verse, I look at it as a covenant between me and God yeah. because, let's just read it. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So he's saying, you're going to receive power and you're going to be my witness. So don't think for a minute that we can just access that power and do with it what we want. That yeah. power is for a specific purpose. Come on. And that is not to bring glory to ourselves. That is to bring glory to our Father. Now I have to push pause because if you grew up in some other faith tradition, right? I don't want people to think I pick on the Baptist or the Methodist. If you grew up in the other side of that camp, you had people that were somewhere trying to be a cross between Gandalf and Yoda. They wanted to show you how spiritual they were all the time. Passion without purpose is poison. I can be passionate about God, but if I, if I don't know the end to the game, I'll hurt me and everybody else around me. And that's what you saw a lot of times in the charismatic faith 
was not, I'm not saying that they're wrong on everything, but what I'm saying is they were so busy being extroverted that they forgot to be passionate and pointed. I, man, if God wants to do something, God can do something, right? Again, we ain't breaking out snakes in this joint, but I'm just saying that I'm not going to limit what God does. You, I, I've seen God do too many weird things that I can't, I just go, ah, well, that's God. <laughs> right? But I think weird for the sake of weird is just weird. Weird for a purpose is passion directed. It takes us to a destination. Um, I think that that when we go, God, I'm okay if you do something, but part of the way Paul talks about testing the spirits is knowing where it's taking you. So I grew up, one of my first experiences was in more of a charismatic church, and it flipped me out, and I thought all these people lost their mind. Have you anybody ever been in one of those services? You're like, I don't know where the Kool-Aid's at, but I ain't drinking it. And, part, and I think that's part of the Pauline doctrine where he says, man, be careful how you use the gifts of the Holy Spirit because, you know, a, a, a gift used incorrectly, I, I love guns. You can judge me how you want to. I love firearms. If you, if you feel, uh, you know, a disconnect from your guns, you just bring them to my house, I'll take them. I, I you know, I, those, anyway. Um, but a gun pointed and pulled the trigger in the wrong direction will cause harm. If you use the power of the Holy Spirit in the wrong direction, you will screw more people up than you do by just keeping your mouth shut. Can we be in agreement on that? So, so even as I just want you to know the heart of our church, even as we move towards um, um, being open and having these one-on-one conversations, we're not going to get off in the ditches on either side. We're not going to say there's no Holy Spirit and blah, 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 but we're not going to go off the other ditch either. We're fair in that. What, what we're here to say is this. There is a Holy Spirit. He's here to fill you. He's here to give you power. He's here to do some other things. But let's be open to, to, to who and what the Holy Spirit is before we get into how He operates. Anybody flipped out yet? Okay, good, because I think we're doing a good job, TJ. All right. So, um, so basically, that verse Jesus is telling us, you know, you're going to have power and you're going to be my witness. In Snow Camp, in Come Graham, in Mebane, and into yes. the ends of the earth. And I'm saying it like that for a reason, because it's so easy for us to say, someday after yep. I'm going to do something big for God. Yep. But first I have to do this. But the thing we got to remember is God does not need our plan. Someday is right now, and somewhere is where you are. It's like, um, God expects us to be doing His will. And the only way we can do it is to stay in communion with Him. And we do that by praying. The Bible says we should pray constantly. It says never cease. Um, and, and getting in our Bibles, reading, whether you read it, listen to it, or read along while you're listening to it, it's like we need the Word of God. Um, you know, it's, and, and I'm not going to act like I haven't said this before a long time ago, but I mean, a lot of us have that idea of, why do I need to read the Word if, if, if I'm in communion with God? You know, he, he'll, he'll provide me with what I need. All I need to do is talk to God. I don't need to read His Word. Well, that's, that's an argument like a, a six-year-old saying, well, I already know how to make up my bed and do everything that my parents want me to do. Why do I need to learn anything else? And and that's the thing is like if we don't get in our Bible and learn more, we stay an infant, and 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 we can still serve God, but it definitely it definitely limits our playing field. It, and um, so we want to be able to serve God in the best way possible, and the way we have to do that, there's three keys. The way I see it, one is prayer, getting in our Word. And giving God thanks for all things, giving Him credit for every good thing that is in our life. And um, the Holy Spirit whispers in a still, small voice. He, he communicates with us with a small tap on the shoulder. He doesn't yell at us. He doesn't. He, he can do what He wants to do. But in most cases, the Holy Spirit speaks to us gently because he wants us to listen to him 
He doesn't want to have to jump up in our face and get our attention. That's part of our growing is, is we have to learn to listen and be guided by the Holy Spirit. And I think that's the thing is, it, it for me, and, and I think TJ hit it on the head, he was talking about that God deserved all this praise. How many times have you got ready to pull out and then something kind of checked you and you stopped and then some idiot blows a light and you're like, whoo, that was lucky. And that wasn't lucky. That was the Holy Spirit talking to you. Like, like it's not mystical. It's not weird. Just the Holy Spirit just talks to you, right? Or, or you go, man, I got ready not to say this to somebody and then I said it and they started crying and like it, they were like, oh man, that was exactly what I needed to hear. And you're like, I don't even know why I said it. Well, now you know. Like, like the Holy Spirit is moving in your life. The Holy Spirit is talking in your life. But until you give God credit for it, for what He does in and through your life, you actually rob God. Have you, have you ever done something and then somebody else got credit and it kind of torqued you? Like you say it and say it and say it and then somebody else says it and everybody's like, oh, that's a brilliant. You're like, well, you morons, I've been saying that for 20 minutes. I, th- I wonder if God feels that way sometimes. He's like, stop giving luck and chance and all these things credit for what I'm doing. And when you learn to recognize that, God is not going to be like, oh, see, that'll flip you out. That'll make you need new underwear. That's not the way God is going to talk to you. Anybody remember having parents? Remember hearing this? You weren't even sure what you did. Now you know how the Holy Spirit works. Your mama ever look at you and you're playing on the playground, you got your little caggle of friends, that one kid's over there by himself, and your mama or daddy goes, You now understand how the Holy Spirit moves. Deepening your faith is when you learn to respond and recognize the voice of your Father. The Holy Spirit is a comforter and a helper to us. So let's look at John 14, 26 through 27. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let your hearts, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. He's telling us how the Holy Spirit will teach us and give us peace. He's telling us that we don't have to worry or fear because he does not give gifts like the world. He gives gifts like God. And Praise His holy name for that. And here's the thing. If we recognize that God sends everything good to us, right? My next question is, where does the bad stuff come from? Well, if if the Holy Spirit is sent to us to help us recognize what to do, I think I think God doesn't send bad things to us, but I think He allows them to happen. Because you can't learn to have faith if you don't have need. So, so hearing the Holy Spirit not only talk to you when things are going well, but what do you do when the Holy Spirit needs to tell you, this is where the comforter comes in, it'll be okay. What do you do when you lose a loved one unexpectedly and you need the peace of God to be like, hey baby, it's okay. What do you need when you get that bill and you don't know where it's going to come from? You need a miracle from God. You're not going to learn God's a miracle. God, do you need a miracle? And the more you listen to the Holy Spirit, the more you learn to trust the voice and the rhythm that God has. Scripture says this, those who live in, those who live in, in the Spirit, let them keep in step with the Spirit. God said basically that life is a dance and, and it's learning the rhythm so that you're not stepping on God's toes and you keep your feet out from under God so He doesn't have to keep, step on yours. So, so I think understanding that God not only is power, but God is also comfort. Um, everybody says I, that they have a hard time. A lot of people say they have a hard time understanding the Trinity. Well, I have three people in my family. I'm the father. I have a son, only begotten son of Adam. Sounds spiritual when I say it that way. And I have my wife. Now, I'm not saying that God, that the Holy Spirit is a female. But there is God the Father, which is God. There is God the Son, which is God. There's God the Holy Spirit. The three of us, Adam, Tracy, and Brandon, make up the Bellamies. We make up the Godhead, but three individual personalities. 
And what Scripture says is the personality of the Holy Spirit is power and it's comfort, but it's also conviction. That's right. So let's look at John 16, 8. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. The Holy Spirit lets us know when we're sinning. We get that inner tap on the shoulder, or we hear that still small voice saying, TJ, why are you doing this? Or why are you not doing this? So good. Um, that's how he speaks to us, and that's, that's one of the big things that the Holy Spirit does for us because without his guidance, we're going to mess everything up every time. So if Jesus was here, I'd want to hang out with him all the time and ask him everything I'm supposed to do. Like just legit, but hey, yeah, you know, just give me the steel sign, whatever you got to do, like do it or don't do it, right? Well, Jesus said this because I'm fully God and fully man, I'm finite, right? Like, like I, he chose while he was on earth to be fully man. Now we know he's fully God now, but he said I needed to go sit at the right hand of the Father to make intercession for your needs. God already wants to meet your needs. He just needed he needed a go between between your sin and God's holiness. But he said, I don't want to leave you alone, so I'm going to send power. Jesus gave his disciples power. This isn't anything new. Remember, he said, I gave him power to drive out demons, and I gave him power to, to heal the sick, and to, right? So this isn't anything separate from what Jesus already did. He said, I've come to give them comfort. Well, that's exactly what Jesus did over and over and over again. He comforted the disciples. He comforted those with issues. He comforted. And then finally, he convicted. Look at the lady at the well. Jesus looked at her and said, yeah, go get your husband. She said, well, actually the dude I'm with is not my husband. Yeah, I know you've been with five dudes and dudes you're, you're just shacking up with the dude you're with now. I mean, he said it better than that. So really what we see is the Holy Spirit is, is the, the copy, the image of God, because He is God, at work in power and conviction and comfort in our lives. So, the resistance we have is not actually to the Holy Spirit. It's to what we've been taught about the Holy Spirit. Does this make sense? So if I'm here, here's my question. If, if I'm new to this, right? Like maybe you've never heard it from this perspective before. You go, okay, so I know where the Holy, who the Holy Spirit is. I know why I need Him. Or, or I, know, I know what He brings. My next question is, where does that intersect with me? Like why do I need Him and what does it look like active in my life without things that I have preconceived ideas about? Fair, fair question. So let's look at Galatians 5, 17 through 18. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. So what's our vessel made out of? Our vessels made out of flesh. And so we have to have the Holy Spirit in our lives or, or all of our acts are going to be acts of flesh. And, and that's the road to hell. Yeah. And it's like we, we have to have the Holy Spirit in our lives. We've got to read our Bible. We've got to give God thanks. We have to keep that proximity to God. So good. Because it's like you know you're pro- Proximity, I think Adam taught on this not long ago. Your proximity affects your perception. Absolutely. If you're too far away from God, you're not going to hear that still small voice. You're not going to feel that tap on your shoulder, and you're just going to continue right on doing the wrong thing. I think most of our regrets in life happen when we don't listen to the Holy Spirit. I knew what I was doing was wrong, and there was that still small voice tapping me on the shoulder, throwing up the caution flag, and I ignored it. So what if we learn to listen to the Holy Spirit in His most minute whisper? Like what if we just said, hey, you know what's going to keep me from like train wrecking my life? Is going, okay, God, can you speak to me? I I, I love the Word, and I dive into the Word. But when I close my Bible, sometimes I forget the Word. But the Holy Spirit... If I leave my Bible behind, I take the Holy Spirit with me. Now, I agree, the two have to, we talked about this at great length in my office. You have to, you can't, one is not a substitute for the other. It's like going, well, I ate healthy meat. Well, you still need vegetables. Well, I ate my vegetables. Well, you throw some fruit in there every now and then, Captain, right? 
And, and can I be honest with you? If you eat fruit and vegetables and healthy meat, throw in a piece of cake every now and then because life was made to be lived and enjoyed. We need all of these things active in our life because they're going to keep us from, they're going to, they're going to lead us to, they're going to, right? We need the Holy Spirit moving so that, that we don't pinball all the way down because we want to do right, but our flesh is weak. So if your spirit's not strong, the strongest thing is going to take over, even if it's weak. Break your right arm if you're right-handed. Your weak left hand will take over. You are made to be strong in the spirit. But if you break that by not exercising it, it'll get weak and your flesh, which is strong, will take over. Right? So, It's a living word. Yeah. So let's look at Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. These are not just nice descriptive words. This is real. Go along with our prayer and study in the Bible. We give, you know, we recognize our blessings and give God glory. Um, so this is how we stay close to God. And I, so, so if I sit there and I go, okay, I need this, because I think most people right now are recognizing, hey, I need the Holy Spirit. But again, depending on which faith tradition you're at, people talk about you got to receive the Holy Spirit, right? Let's talk about it. How do we access the Holy Spirit? God loves us, and He knows us, so He made it easy. Praise the Master. I, I like easy tests. So let's look at Acts 2, 38 through 39. And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise of God is for you and for your children and for all who are far off and everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. That's us. We're included in that. That um, the Holy Spirit is for us. So we don't have to question that. And we don't have to question how do we get it. We get it by being baptized for the remissions of sin in the name of Jesus. Yeah. I, th I think that when we accept Jesus, our body becomes a dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. Now, everybody, I, I've, I mean, because I grew up around some jacked up stuff. Um, and, and, and because I've been in the ministry, I've heard some jacked up stuff and I hear people go, well, you just need more of the Lord. Well, if you became the indwelling place of the Holy Spirit, in other words, when I accepted Jesus, I received God into my, my body, my soul, right? How can I have more of full? Uh, I had a buddy of mine one time, his, his mom was pouring him orange juice. She was talking on the phone and, and he watched the cup fill up. And he goes, all right, mom, that's that's enough. That's enough. That's enough. That's full. When it started spilling over the top, he just moved his cup and let it go on the floor. Because once it's full, it's full. You don't have, how do you how do you receive Jesus? You ask him into your heart. Once you ask him into your heart, the gift of God comes with it as the Holy Spirit. Why to convict, to comfort, to give power. Now we'll get into some other things, but but here's the thing. You don't have to, you already, those of us that have asked Jesus into our heart, the Holy Spirit already lives inside of you. Man, what if we just learn to listen to that heartbeat that's already inside of us that is the voice of the Holy Spirit? I don't mean your physical heartbeat. I mean that still small voice that speaks when thunder and lightning and earthquakes and all those things don't. Man, sometimes the Holy Spirit speaks and you just know things you shouldn't know. It's not because it's kooky or it looks like Gandalf. It's because God loves you enough He wants to talk to you. It's the same thing you wanted in the garden. It's the same thing you wanted with Jesus. And that's the reason Jesus sent His Holy Spirit is He said, look man, I want communion with you. And the easiest way for me to have communion is to move in. And not only did I move in your house, I moved in your earth suit, your, your temple. And now I just want to hang out and talk. But I'm not a yeller. I'm a whisperer. The Holy Spirit drives out darkness. Let's look at Ephesians 6, 12. 
For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly place. God's word is true, and our battle is real. Yeah. This verse is telling us that our battle is a spiritual one. This present darkness will consume us if we do not take advantage of the Holy Spirit. Now let's look at who Jesus says he is. John 8, 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is the light. Right. So the Holy Spirit is a light we're using to fight this present darkness. So I do have a demonstration here to show, show the nature of light and darkness. So what I've got here is a box of darkness. This box is completely full of darkness. I'll hold your mic. You see, it's dark in there. So what happens if I take this box of darkness and I just dump it out on our pastor? So nothing happened, right? You know why? Because our pastor walks in the light. Right. And light does not flee in the presence of the darkness ever. Right. So let's try one other thing. What happens if we introduce the light into the darkness? Those mics are so tricky, aren't they? The darkness flees. The darkness will always flee right. in the presence of the light. And that right there is the best spiritual physics that you can remember. Absolutely. And it's like uh, you don't have to be afraid of the darkness because the light overcomes the darkness. All you have to do is listen to that still small voice, feel that nudge on your shoulder, and walk in God's will. And here's the thing. We all spend our lifetime. To, we're going to be a little long today. Can we just all be okay with that? Because I keep looking at my watch and it just is what it is. This is such a, this is such a truth. You got to learn it, right? You cannot. We spend so much of our try, time trying not to sin and then getting frustrated because we do. We're, we're going about the equation wrong. Remember when I said you can't run from something, you have to run to something, Right. You can run to going, hey, God, can you show me that before I get there? Like, like, don't wait till I'm on beer five to tell me to slow down. I'm not saying drink or don't drink. I don't really, like, I think if you have one or two, whatever, you know, as long as you're sober, I don't think God has a problem with it, right? Judge me however you want to. I think when you're on, like, beer 11, we voided what God, right? Jesus turned water into wine, not just wine, good wine. So the problem is not alcohol. The problem is we abuse everything. The problem is not sexuality. We abuse sexuality. The problem is not the internet. We abuse the internet, right? Like, like it's, it's when evil takes over. So what if we said, Holy Spirit, third person in the Godhead, what I need you to do is throw, just tap me on the shoulder beforehand so that I don't sin. And then God, let me be, let me be attuned enough. Those, remember Jesus said, those that have ears, let them... Here, God, give me ears to hear you talk, even when what I'm doing is screaming so loud in my ear. Even when that bad day is screaming so loud in my ear that I say I need seven glasses of wine, ladies. Nobody laughed at that. That was funny. Can, can you whisper enough so that I can hear you tell me to stop? When I get ready to flip somebody off on the interstate, can you just whisper peace and patience and kindness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control? Holy Spirit, can you do in my life what my flesh tries to get me to ignore? That's why I need the Holy Spirit. The rest of the manifestation, we'll get to those later. I need the Holy Spirit to talk to me, to keep me from me, to keep the devil from me. I, I need to be able to hear a voice of light in a dark and depraved world. The only way I can check out of this world lest I die 
is by checking into the things of God. Well, there's no present help like the Holy Spirit. So, we need to be ready because we're called to do God's work. Come on. While I was getting, while I was working on this early last week, I actually ran across a quote that really touched me. This quote is from a man named John A. Shedd, who apparently ran a large dry goods business around the early 1900s. But the quote is this, a ship is safe in harbor, but that is not what ships are for. We need to cling on to the Holy Spirit, make sure our ship leaves the harbor, because God's got work for us to do. So I would challenge everybody to go out this week and every week after, one step at a time, listening for that still small voice. Asking God, what do you want me to do? Waiting for that nudge on your shoulder and just try to walk in the will of God. And when we do walk in the will of God, He blesses us beyond measure. There's, yeah. there's, there's no replacement for being in God's will. It's like we think we know what we need, but we don't. God knows what we need. And when we walk in His will, He leads us right to it. What if you left here this week? And this is what you did. You just said, look, maybe, maybe you're not even sure what you think about the Holy Spirit still. Is that fair? But what if you said this? God, here's what I want to do. Um, so I keep a journal with me most of the time, and I just write stuff down um, because I, I forget everything because I'm 48 and whatever. But what if you said this? Today, this week, every day, I'm going to listen for the voice of God. And when I think I hear it, I'm going to write it down. And then I'm going to, I'm just going to keep stats. Was I right or wrong that that was the voice of God? Because could it be that God talks to you way more than you think? And could it be that you're giving it to credit, the credit to everything and everybody but God? So I don't say this boastfully. My wife and I went out on our anniversary. That's probably a move of God on its own. But uh, we went to uh, Bonefish. We had a bunch of gift cards. So we went to Bonefish. And, and there was this table of seven people that was like set right on top of us. We're like, having these like trips down memory lane. We talked about, you know, what all God had done in, in 27 years of being together. And, and uh, the seven people ordered what well, they brought the credit card machine out to the table. And so I ran these people credit card. Well, I'm nosy. I just judge that however you want to. And I looked over and the dude punched his tip in and I was like, that cannot be what he tipped for seven people. Maybe it's a to go order was actually what I told my wife. And so they left and the waitress came over and I said, Hey, can I ask you a question? She said, yeah. I said, did that dude just tip you $10? Sir, it it doesn't really matter. Yeah, it really kind of does. I mean, you don't have to tell me, but I'm going to keep asking until you do. Um, Because I just felt, I told her, I just feel this this Holy Spirit press that that we need, this needs to be made right. And so she said, well, yeah, they did. I said, well, here's what I want you to know. And again, I don't say this both. I said, we're going to tip you off our bill, but then we're going to, we just feel like the Lord told us to make up whatever they didn't tip. She said, well, I can't let you do that. And I'm like, what's well, the Lord? So, you know, like, somebody's going to be wrong. Let's go with who it's going to be, right? And uh, so she came back and we paid our bill. And I said, now, I need to know how much their bill was because, you know, I, I know what the Lord tells me to tip. So she's like, why? Well, I feel bad even telling you. And I said, well, again, you know, God kind of, you know, wants me to know, so. Go get the donkey the master has need, right? Like it's that kind of moment. And so, and so um, she goes, Well, the bill was like $260. What <laughs> wasn't exactly what I expected. But but we paid the tip on on the bill, and um, like five waitresses came by just to talk to us about random stuff. Like one one brought us bread and we weren't eating, you know what I mean? And like um one brought us uh, waters, and one. They, then three people brought desserts, and then one of them started talking about tattoos as she walked by. And here's what it was: somebody went in the kitchen and said, "Man, these people are weird," because <laughs> they're like out here talking about God and tips. Because who sucks at tipping the most? Sunday afternoon church people. If you go out to eat today, you better tip people like Jesus loves them, rather than like your Ebenezer Scrooge. I'm just saying. If not, go eat a sandwich at your house. Because people, more is caught than taught. 
So th- these people, I guarantee you what happened, because anybody ever worked in a restaurant, good or bad, what are you talking about in the kitchen? Either these people suck or these people are really cool. And they went back, and I guarantee you she's going, man, they're talking about God and tips, and that doesn't make sense to me. Somebody else go out and figure out if they're weird. <laughs> but then when we did what we said they were, that we were going to do, there's something about that that's magnetic. So I had a conversation about Second Kings. We had a conversation with a little girl about how God had a purpose and a destiny for a life. We talked about how God wants to make up your lack. God will always send what you need. I don't care if it's in the form of a tip or in the form of a miracle. God will do it. So here's the thing. A couple of bucks for being able to share the gospel with five waitresses is cheap. But had I not listened to a still small voice that is count, I'm, we're going to go on vacation. I am cheap. All the men in the house said, when you get ready to go on vacation, what do you, t- what do you tell your family not to do? Now, nobody spent any money the next two weeks. Uh, you know, so we can, I put the finances on lockdown. Look, we're on grocery store lockdown right now. I looked at my wife and said, look, let it all dwindle down. So when we come back from vacation, literally, we've got nothing in our fridge but butter. Butter and cheese, two things that'll keep, right? Everything else in my house that's not my freezer is dwindled down because I don't waste stuff. So what my flesh said, don't spend money. My spirit said that I'm a sower and God gives seed. Sower. But if I... So, so, so you're always in this battle. Am I going to listen to the Spirit or my flesh? This week, my challenge to you is not only listen to the Spirit, give credit to the Spirit, but write down how, how much you're right. Because what it's going to show you is that God is alive in your life. I'm not afraid of the Holy Spirit. He's working for me, not against me. The Holy Spirit isn't something weird. It's, it's God moving through me. The Holy Spirit's not going to do anything contrary to what Jesus did. Does that mean it's always going to be normal? No, Jesus hardly ever looked normal. Jesus hardly ever made them look normal, them being the disciples. But you know what He always made them? Fulfilled, powerful, comforted. Man, what if we leaned into that? TJ, thank you so much um, for, for teaching and for letting me be a part of it. I love this analogy. Um, you can't pour darkness on me. Um, so anyway, um, can we just pray as we come to close? Um, we're not going to bring any instruments up. We're just going to chill. I know it's going to be weird, isn't it? Let's just pray. Father, as we bring this service to close, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for an opportunity to share your word. God, let us let us be familiar with who and what your Holy Spirit is. God, will you speak in and through us? God, will you talk to us? Will you love on us? Um, God, and most of all, will you give us the strength to listen um, to you as we go through our life? God, so that we can live more in the Spirit, less in the flesh. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being part of our Thrive Tribe. If you want to partner with this ministry and what the Lord is doing here at Thrive, visit thrivechurchonline.com and click on the Give tab. Help us reach more people just like you by rating and subscribing to this podcast. You don't want to miss what's coming next.